the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. It is the Nick D Podcast. How are you? My name is Nick DeGilio. I'm your host. Episode 120, 120 of the Nick D Podcast here at RadioMisfits.com. The Radio Misfits Podcast Network, one of the greatest podcast networks in the world, loaded with incredible, varied, entertaining, informative, funny, awesome podcasts that you should check out. Uh, make sure that you take the time to like, rate, share, rate and review us and all that cool stuff. Um, I have a second podcast on this uh, uh, on this network called That Show Hasn't Been Funny in Years, an SNL podcast, and it's a podcast that drops every Wednesday, once a week, and it is all about Saturday Night Live. Um, and in fact, I have a great voicemail I'm going to play in a couple of seconds uh, from a uh, subscriber uh, talking about uh, this podcast and that podcast. And, uh, and again, if you want to uh, actually leave your voicemails or leave your thoughts, uh, the voicemail uh, system is up 24-7. We want to hear from you. We encourage it. Feedback, comments, questions. Hey, uh, requests for the magic megaphone if you got a message or an inside joke or some sort of thing that you want me to say into the megaphone for it magically to appear into the world. Leave that too. But anything you want to contribute via voicemail, 773-417-6948. Call anytime you want. Drop an email anytime you want to with feedback and questions and comments and megaphone requests. NickDPodcast at gmail.com. Wide open for all of those suggestions and questions and those voicemails 24-7, those emails 24-7. My thanks to Jason Skaggs for all the music and all the contributions. Hey, you want to be a sponsor? This podcast reaches a lot of people. So if you'd like to be a sponsor, if you'd like to buy some advertising, contact us. Say, hey, I want to be a sponsor. I want to advertise on the Nick D Podcast. Sales at RadioMisfits.com. Get on that, why don't you? Uh, coming up on this episode of the podcast, uh, it is our bi-weekly visit with Eric Childress and Steve Procopi. Uh, two movie critics who I've known for many years. We talk about movies. we got some big movies to talk about this weekend. And uh, an announcement of a particularly great retrospective of a director that they're doing at the Music Box Theater. Uh, Music Box Theater on Southport in Chicago. The best theater in the country that does incredible programming. And uh, Steve happens to be one of the programmers and the PR guy that works there, Steve Procopi. And uh, a major announcement about a couple of things that are happening at the Music Box. In particular... Uh, a tribute and a retrospective of one of the greatest American directors of all time. So we'll tell you all about that. Esmeralda Leon joins me every single episode, and she will on this episode. We do have a magic megaphone request that we shall be, uh, uh, I shall be giving. A uh, very funny and weird one. We will talk about Adult Swim, and we'll do a, uh, another weird Kit Kat taste test and talk about uh, some very, very uh, interesting stuff with the great Esmeralda Leon. That's all coming up. And also... It's, an, it's official. Our next Zanies Live event, we are doing monthly Zanies events. The Nick D Podcast Live, which means you're there, we're there, it's interactive. We give away really cool prizes, and we ask some fun trivia questions for those prizes. It's big laughs. We record the podcast. Uh, it is funny and entertaining. You're a part of it. It's me. My co-host is Esmeralda Leon, and we have a special guest every month. 
And my dad gets up on stage and closes the show with some jokes. My 81-year-old dad telling jokes. That alone, you need to come and check out. And it's at Zany's in Rosemont. Zany's, you know, the premier comedy clubs across the country. Zany's is the deal. So Zany's is our home post. The next one that we're doing is on Tuesday, March 28th. Tuesday, March 28th. And uh, we always have a special guest. And the special guest this month is unbelievable. Batten down the hatches, everybody, because our special guest live on stage is going to be Sven Gulli himself, Rich Coase. Yes, Rich Coase is going to be uh, on stage with us at Zany's. Uh, we will have him, we'll interview him, we'll talk about his career, his life, we'll have some laughs. When my dad gets on stage to tell jokes, I believe he and Rich and Sven are going to do a little joke telling together. Um, and it's going to be interactive and fun, and it's always entertaining, it's always great. By the way, when you come out, you'll get some laughs, you'll get some fun, we'll tell you some facts, we'll tell you great stories, you'll get to eat something, we always bring treats and stuff for the audience, we do taste tests and stuff, and it's great. And uh, everybody who comes has a great time, lots of big, entertaining, huge laughs at Zanies and Rosemont, but this is a really special one, because Rich Coe's the one and only Sven Gulli, live on stage. You need to get your tickets now because Sven is a pretty popular dude. And he, I asked him, I was like, hey, would you, uh, you know, I don't know if you'd ever want to do this, but would you come on, uh, on the stage here at Zany's and be, a, be a, a guest? And he went, yeah. That's the thing about Rich. He's unbelievably supportive. He's one of the nicest guys you'll ever meet. Uh, and one of the few broadcasters that I've met who is unselfish and awesome and amazing. So he immediately said, yes, I will be a special guest. So, Rich Coes, a.k.a. Sven Gulli, live on stage with you in the Zanies Comedy Club. Tuesday, March 28th, rosemont.zanies.com. Get your tickets now. They're on sale now. Reserve your seats now for Sven Gulli live on stage with us at the Nick D Podcast Live. Again, Tuesday, Zanies in Rosemont, March 28th. Showtime, 7.30. Doors open, 6.30. Get your tickets now. They're going to go fast. Sven Gulli is my special guest. 847-813-0484. That's your box office for your tickets at Zanies and Rosemont. Again, March 28th, Tuesday, uh, 7.30 showtime. Rich Coes, a.k.a. Sven Gulli, the special guest, part of an entire night of laughs and fun and interactive fun. So be there. Rosemont.zanies.com. Sven Gulli live, March 28th. All right, so get your tickets now. Okay, as I mentioned, I do have a podcast. Oh, look, it's Carrie Russell. Hi, I'm Carrie Russell, and I love Nick's show. I know you do, baby. She still hasn't forgiven me because I think uh, Cocaine Bear is a piece of crap. Hi, I'm Carrie Russell, and I love Nick's show. But everybody involved in that movie is fine. The movie's making money hand over fist. I don't know. People are going to see it for some inexplicable reason. But thanks. Good for you, uh, Carrie Russell. I'm happy that Hi, your I'm movie's Carrie making Russell, money. Yes. And I <laughs> yeah, love yes. Nick's show. Good for you. All right. Anyway, I do host another podcast. Uh, here on this network, and it's called That Show Hasn't Been Funny in Years, and it's an SNL podcast. And I got a very nice uh, voicemail from a guy named Pete. Again, if you want to leave your voicemail, open 24-7. Uh, we want feedback, 773-417-6948. Anyway, here's Pete. Hey, Nick, this is Pete. Uh, just wanted to say how much I am enjoying your other podcast. Uh, this show hasn't been funny in years. Um, I'm 
really, really a big fan of SNL, as is my wife, and we love listening to you talk about SNL, so having a whole podcast dedicated to that is like a dream come true for us. And I want to say how much I particularly enjoyed your episode with Amy Seeley talking about uh, the women through the years. Uh, such a great topic, considering the women are absolutely dominating that show these days. Uh, I think it was very fitting that right after you did that podcast, uh, Heidi Gardner just absolutely destroyed an update with her uh, mother of four girls and one boy character, which was just unbelievably good. So uh, just figured I'd leave this message for any of your listeners who aren't listening to your other podcast. Uh, I want to tell them they should all go listen to it because it's so awesome, and uh, I'm really, really excited for you to keep doing that. Take care, Nick. Thank you, Pete. I did not pay for that. That I did not. I did not pay Pete to call up and leave that message. Uh, that was voluntary. I was. It was so happy to hear that. I'm glad people are enjoying it. I'm getting a lot of really great feedback about the SNL podcast. And even if you're not an SNL fanatic, you should check it out. It's a lot of fun. And I'm getting great feedback. And I'm. I'm very proud of that podcast. I'm having a blast doing it, with or without guests. It's just been a blast. So, and it's a passion of mine. SNL is a passion of mine. So, thank you, Pete. I thank you very much. And if you haven't checked it out, it's called That Show Hasn't Been Funny in Years. It's available at Radio Misfits as well. All right. Thank you, everybody. Uh, and again, get those damn tickets. Rich Coast, Fenguli Live, March 28th, Zanies and Rosemont, rosemont.zanies.com. Get those tickets now. All right. Uh, we got movies to review with Eric and Steve and a big announcement about something that's happening at the Music Box, which we'll get to as well after I tell you that you need to be congratulated. Congratulations. You're about to listen to the Nick D podcast. It's by far the best decision you've made today. It makes the other podcasts seem like crap. Oh, yeah. Don't be a jackal. It is uh, time for the movie reviews, as you can tell by the theme that we always play. Eric Childress and Steve Procopi join me every other uh, week to review new movies and talk about movie stuff in general. And we've got a bunch of stuff to talk about and a few releases, new releases to jump into, too. So let's say hello to the guys. Uh, Eric Childress, hello, Eric. Hello. And uh, Steve Procopi, hello, Steve. Hello there. All right, Eric, tell everybody where they can uh, read your stuff and hear your stuff and see your stuff and all that stuff. Yes, uh, over at the Now Play Network, uh, the Movie Madness podcast, where we do movie reviews every week uh, with Steve Procopi and uh, new Blu-rays with Peter Szynski. Uh And then I also have uh, The Friendship Dilemma that I co-host with Morgan Geyer, uh, where we talk about movies uh, that deal with male and female friendships and how those movies actually deal with them. Okay. And uh, Steve, where can we hear and see and read your stuff? Yeah, uh, written reviews at thirdcoastreview.com and uh, podcast reviews at Movie Madness Podcast with Eric and just a general, uh, you know, hangout time at the Music Box Theater a bunch. So, yeah, that's especially in the next few weeks. Yeah, it's it's going to be kind of turning things up. <laughs> yeah, some stuff some stuff is happening at the Music Box over the next few weeks and into uh, next couple of months. Um, Eric, as uh, what's your what is your title at the Film Critic? festival what do you what do you do there what's producer your... okay producer, producer. all yes. right so you're a producer that the chicago critics film festival yes uh, which is is it still the only festival in the country that is programmed by critics that is correct okay and uh you guys take over the music box for about a week 
and uh, it's in May. This year, it's May 5th through the 11th at the Music Box Theater. But uh, we're making a quick announcement here because uh, you got passes are going to go on sale next week sometime, and the beginning of the schedule will start to be announced. Tell us a little bit about what's happening uh, in that regard. Well, this is a huge deal for us this year because this is our 10th anniversary of the festival. I mean, we never thought we'd get past the first festival, but we did, and now 10 years later... We're putting on this, going to have this fantastic anniversary show, and uh, next Wednesday, March 8th, we'll be doing our uh, annual sneak preview of the festival where we uh, slowly roll out, announce seven titles uh, Wednesday morning, and uh, then passes will go on sale uh, at the Music Box. Okay, so that is uh, a week no, it's it's this coming Wednesday because it's Friday. This so this coming Wednesday, yes. Yeah, this coming Wednesday, March eighth. Uh, so what time is there a? Do you guys just start rolling out the titles? I know you do it gradually. Do you start rolling out? At, yeah. At what at what time can people start looking on social media all over the place for these things that you're going to be you, titles you're going to be dropping? Usually, we start rolling out titles on social media on Twitter and Facebook uh, at eight a.m. Uh, so that's when we, we sort of roll, kind of do a slow roll. Like every half hour, we announce a new title, uh, and uh, those are just part of the the films that we're going to have at the festival. We will be announcing our full lineup and the full schedule in uh, mid April. The April seventeenth is the the date we're aiming for to announce that, uh, and then individual tickets will be on sale then as well. But uh, this is this is going to be quite the year. Okay, March 8th is uh, Wednesday. That's this coming Wednesday. Uh, look for the announcements of the first seven titles of the movies that will be playing at the Chicago Critics Film Festival. And then passes will go on sale that at the Music Box that day. Is that how it goes? Okay. Mm-hmm. All right, so you can buy your passes for the entire festival. The entire fest passes will be on sale at musicboxtheater.com on March 8th after the first seven titles are announced. So basically on March 8th, uh, keep your eyes peeled on social media all over the place for the announcements, the press releases, and then you can buy passes at musicboxtheater.com for the festival itself on Wednesday, March 8th. That's right. Okay, and the festival will be from May 5th through 11th. It's the 10th anniversary. And you guys have other special stuff planned. I know you normally do at least a couple of screenings that are like – you know, anniversary screenings like last year, you did a 35 millimeter screening of uh, uh, Boogie Nights for the 25th anniversary. And then uh, you did uh, the was it 30th anniversary for Dracula? Dracula. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, and, for and, Brad uh, Stoker's Dracula. Yeah. Right. And one of the titles we are, and I will tell you this, one of the titles we are announcing next Wednesday is our anniversary title. One of our anniversary titles. Okay. All right, cool. Yeah, and you guys are all, you, you know, like uh, last year you you pulled a fast one on me because I thought you guys did even numbers. You know what I mean? Like I was thinking like uh, it's got to be 20 or it's got to be 30, and then you, pull, uh. you, you know, and then you pull Boogie Nights out of your ass last year. And I'm like, what the fuck? So anyway. Uh, so, I'll, tell you, yeah. I'll tell you this much. It's an even number oh. on Wednesday. Okay. So the one that you'll yeah. announce will be an even number. So it's yes. okay. So it's something that came out in either 93 or 2003 or whatever. It's got a three at the end. Correct. Well, that all even right. number could be like 22. Too also. That's so. right. Oh, okay. No, you guys being jagoffs now. All right. So anyway, May fifth through the eleventh um, last year, uh, you guys showed uh, a majority of the movies that I saw. The majority of which were really terrific, including my favorite film of last year. I saw um, at the festival, and I'm really looking forward to it. And I'm looking forward mm-hmm. to seeing what you guys pick for the anniversary stuff. Um, so yeah, and I and I, I'm I'm not going to hold my breath on seeing uh, Jeff Bridges standing on the edge of a 
of a building. I'm not going to hold my breath. <laughs> Okay. So anyway, uh, so anyway, May fifth through the eleventh, uh, the Chicago Critics Film Festival, really terrific. You guys do a great job on that, and uh, and and you know, and, and it was great to 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 be there for like I was I was there six of the seven days last year. Yes, you were, and I plan on <laughs> I and I plan on being there for as many as that, uh, as many of those this year, and I'm looking forward to seeing all of those films. So anyway, uh, so March eighth, seven titles are announced. Watch social media and get your tickets, your full passes. The passes go on sale. March 8th, Music Box Theater. Now, speaking of Music Box Theater, uh, I do want to mention that next week, since we, you know, we're not on for, uh, you know, for two weeks, we won't be on for another, uh, not next Friday, the Friday after that. But uh, on next Friday, on the, on the 10th, um, Steve, you guys are opening uh, an exclusive run of uh, Orson Welles' um, The Trial, which is based on Franz Kafka's uh, story, and it is a 4K restoration from the 1962 film. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, you hosted a screening of it yesterday um, at the Music Box. And uh, I just want to uh, emphasize that people should get their ass out and see this. Uh, it, <laughs> it will start on Friday uh, the 10th, yes? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, how long is it going to run? I, I assume it's only going to be one week, but... Yeah. Uh... But yeah, then we did you? I don't. I missed it. It's this is a 4K restoration, by the way. We should. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is a stunning. No, it's, it's insane. Black and white. Yeah. Portrait of insanity. Yeah, it really is. And watching it, it was a press screening uh, we had yesterday. But yeah, it was. Um, no, very it's unbelievable. Well received. Yeah, it's, it's unbelievable. a great. It's, un- it's unbelievable. And, you know, it's it is truly insane. And I, I mean, I had not seen the film in many years, and I've never seen it like that. I mean, it's mm-hmm. just it's on, if you've never seen Orson Welles' The Trial, which he considers his best film, it's it was mm-hmm. it was his favorite film that he did. An incredible performance by Anthony Perkins and an unbelievable international cast. Um, yeah. Visually, just jaw droppingly uh, beautiful and fucking weird um, <laughs> and surreal and funny um, and just out there, man. And uh, and 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 there's this whole uh, weird though uh like prologue at the beginning now <laughs> mm-hmm. which i yeah. found i found a little distracting quite frankly but kind of neat uh so they've added that <laughs> uh and it ne- i mean it's never looked better like it's unbelievable and the black and white cinematography is incredible um i mean this is like wells just like saying whatever man i'm gonna do what i want to do and here it is mm-hmm. and and he's in it too and he spends most i love the fact that he spends 90 percent of his time laying in a bed uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the, the the thing. The thing about the film, he is in the film, and he you know co-wrote this adaptation of the Franz Kafka novel. But he, yeah. I I had not picked up on the fact when I first saw it, and it's been a decades probably since I've yeah. seen it. But yeah. um, that how many of the voice vo- oh, yeah. the male voices he dubs yeah. himself, no, and yeah. and it's it's. It's weird. It's like at first, it's you're like, wait, is that is he playing that character too? And it, you're like, no, it's just no, his voice. It's kind of weird. It's it is it's, it's insane because I mean, like he does like he does like seven other male voices yeah. in it, and most memorably the the artist at the end, which is just mm-hmm. my favorite scene with the crazy <laughs> with the crazy little girls outside. I mean, it's my favorite sequence mm-hmm. in the entire in the entire movie. But yeah, and it and it's it was weird because you know what it brought to mind because I hadn't seen. 
I hadn't seen uh, this movie in many, many, many. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, Eric, what was, have you seen the trial? The Orson Welles? Yeah, well, not for decades, honestly. Yeah. So it's yeah. been a long well, time. If, if you can get out to the uh, seriously, I mean, the, the restoration is fucking jaw dropping. Seriously, it's mm-hmm. unbelievable, uh, and it's an amazing, and it's just in- insane. And you know what movie came to mind, uh, sort of as I was watching it, because of that weird shit that Wells was doing with his vocals and just appearing and stuff. Uh, it 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 really made me even appreciate uh, Alex Garland's men even more because of huh. the kind of weird shit that he did, <laughs> yeah. you know, by having that actor just jump in there and play. And it re- re- like, like, I really think, and I have no doubt in my mind that I, I, I was watching, I'm like, oh, I see where some of the inspiration for this, for men came from. And it came from the trial because it's as, it's as insane as men. You know what I mean? It's, it's that crazy. So, but no, if you get a yeah. chance, seriously, and it's a beautiful, I mean, my God, the restoration is amazing. And again, to see it in a beautiful theater, like, um, like the music mm-hmm. box. So you go to musicboxtheater.com. Uh, it starts on March 10th. Look for the showtimes there. It's probably only playing a week, but if you can get out to see that insane masterpiece on the big screen, you should. Now, the other thing uh, that you just sent out the press release for this morning Mm-hmm. Um, is you are doing a, a you, the music box is, is, is hosting uh, an entire program dedicated to uh, one of my favorite filmmakers on the planet. Um, and in my opinion, the greatest commercially successful American filmmaker to ever live. Um, Robert Zemeckis, you guys are doing a thing called Cracker Jack compass, the works of Robert Zemeckis. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, tell us about this incredible uh, lineup that uh, you'll be with special guests and all kinds of really other events that are happening. Um, and uh, it, it actually starts, when does it start? When does it run? And tell us all about it. It, it goes from, it, it, it's a week. It's April 13th to the 19th, which is actually a Thursday to Wednesday. It's not a, it's not like the Friday to Thursday we usually do with week long things, but um and yeah, I, I get, we, the schedule hasn't come out yet. That'll come out at the middle of the, of March. But we ha- again, much like Critics Fest, we're putting the passes on sale this week. Um, they're actually by the time people hear this, they will be on sale. Um, and it's yeah, it's it's an almost complete retrospective of his work. Um, the schedule is actually still being nailed, like kind of pieced together because. We're we're gonna have at least one, maybe two programs of shorts or like television episodes or things like that that he has done over the years, and so we're kind of piecing that together. Um, we're still looking at guests, although we can announce that um, that Robert DeChico is gonna be a guest and do a Q and A. Uh, we're screening I Want to Hold Your Hand in 1941, the director's cut back-to-back on one day, and he's going to do a Q&A after both of those. Um, so that's 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 one guest we have. Um, well, and that's a great... That's a great. Bobby, yeah. De Co- Bobby, Bobby DeCocho is, is an amazing guest oh, yeah. because he yeah. uh, he's great, and I want to hold your hand. He's fantastic. Yeah. And he's awesome in 1941, and he is also prominently featured in one of the greatest sequences that Steven Spielberg ever directed, and that's... <laughs> That you know, uh, that's the dance contest scene, which is just mm-hmm. you know one of the greatest. See, Eric, you and I have talked about this. That oh yeah, you know, back when I saw 1941 in the theater in 1979, as soon as that scene was over, I'm like, why doesn't he make a musical? And it only took him till fucking 2022 to do that, right? Uh, <laughs> or 2021, sorry, to do that. Um, but yeah, so he, and he's fantastic uh, in that, um, you know, in that whole sequence, fantastic. But unfortunately, like I know, like the only question that I'm going to have for him, it's, it's weird. 
Because <laughs> I know you're going to do the Q&A with him, right? No, no, no. It'll be oh. – this is this is being put on and it was put together by the Oscar bait guys who did oh, the, those like, guys. Yeah, the, high, right. the high and low series. So right. I'm assuming they're doing the, uh, the Q&A. So. Well, if they open it up to the public – I mean, my every question I'm going to have is like what it was like to work with Wendy Jo Sperber. Sorry, but that's mm-hmm. – Yes. Mm-hmm. yes. <laughs> that's, that's it. I, you know, he yeah. was in I Want to Hold Your Hand and 1941. It's like, please. So uh, anyway, but no, that's that's a great. I mean, and and doing the director's cut of 1941. If you've never seen the director's cut of 1941, uh, it's spectacular. I'm just very excited, and I love that so, you guys are showing that, even though yeah. Zemeckis didn't direct it. Uh, right, and it's not every. It's it's it goes a little beyond. In a couple of cases, it goes a little beyond just what he directed. And we've and we can say like, yeah, we, we 1941 is here. The Frighteners, which he executive produced, and I if I'm if I understand the story correctly. He commissioned Peter Jackson and Fran Walsh to write the screenplay, thinking he was going to direct it. And he was yep. so impressed with the screenplay. He said, you guys, you direct it. Yep. You're a director. <laughs> you could do it. So. Yep. Um, so anyway, so, yeah, that's one of the reasons we're playing that. It's that's, I think, a, at a midnight show. Um, but anyway, so, yeah. And, and most of the most it when available and if it was the best option available to us, most of these are in 35 millimeter, too. So, mm-hmm. um yeah, it's 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 a it's been a labor of love watching this thing kind of get pieced together and trying to find different sources for prints and things. But yeah, uh, yeah, it's it's pretty spectacular. We, I mean, the last time we did something like this was the David Lynch retrospective. Right. Actually, we did two of them, and you know, a lot, especially the most recent version. So much of that sold out. Yeah. Um, we will be like I said, we have a pass. Um, that people can get now they can see everything for one price so i i just um, i'm thrilled yeah. about this because i know the guys you know the guys at oscar bait they mm-hmm. they 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 get zemeckis a lot of people don't the thing about zemeckis yeah. is that a lot of people just kind of think he's like a you know uh like this commercial you know filmmaker uh but there's there's a lot of subversive shit in zemeckis's movies and i think zemeckis <laughs> is one of the most important American auteurs in the history of cinema. And I think the stuff that he does doesn't get the actual praise as as incredible cinema as it should. Like, you know, like the year everybody was like, oh, Forrest Gump no, wasn't as good as Pulp Fiction. It's better than Pulp Fiction. It's a better movie than Pulp Fiction. Correct. And, and, and you know, and Zemeckis has this incredible way of he has made some of the most commercially successful movies of all time, and yet they're not just like you know, throw off commercially successful movies. They're fucking films. They're like cinema. Like the Back to the Future movies are important pieces. Back to the Future is one of the greatest films ever made, and it also happens to be one of the most commercially successful. I just think he's an important American artist, and I'm glad. And he's an auteur. I know that sounds pretentious, but he is. Um, and I, you know, look, I back, I back stuff like Marwin. I back, well, you know, I'm thrilled you guys are showing Welcome to Marwin. I think that movie's mm-hmm. fantastic, uh, and I'm I'm thrilled that you're showing What Lies Beneath, which is. You know, a movie that he fu- he was fucking around waiting for Tom for Tom Hanks to to lose weight uh, or gain weight. I can't remember which one, but lose lose weight. Yeah, so they were lose to lose weight, yeah. and so he's like, "Yeah, I'll just do this. You know, I'll just fuck around and make a Hitchcock knockoff and have some fun, and it's great. <laughs> it's brilliant." Uh, and then you know, like as far as I'm concerned, Who Framed Roger Rabbit is one of the greatest achievements in the history of American cinema. Um, and I, you know, he does everything. He can do everything. He can do scary. He can do serious. He can do, uh, you know, uh, I don't even know, but you guys are showing 1941. You're showing allied. God bless you for showing allied. Everybody. <laughs> God, uh, the back to the future, all three of them. And you're showing those back to back to back. Correct. 
yeah that'll be that's a weekend uh journey there yeah <laughs> that's no, that, that one weekend yeah yeah they're, they're showing them back there's i think there's maybe five or five or six movies that day total but yeah they're right in the middle there yeah i don't i'm, I'm listen i'm pitching a tent that whole week dude you're not getting rid of hey, it no. uh beowulf i'm i can't even explain to you how thrilled i am you're showing beowulf which of the you know, when he started doing the motion, you know, capture animation stuff mm-hmm. that everybody kind of dismisses, Beowulf is by far, I don't know if you guys agree, but for me, Beowulf is by far the best of the of those films. Oh, for sure. I agree. For I agree. Um, and I love it. And you're showing it in 35, although it won't mm-hmm. be quite as spectacular as it was when I saw it in IMAX 3D when I almost shit my That's pants. Where, yeah, I saw that too, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, Castaway, you're showing Castaway, which is a fucking masterpiece. Contact, which is a fucking masterpiece. Uh, Death mm-hmm. becomes her. You guys are doing that uh, with rated Q. What's explain mm-hmm. how explain what that is a little bit? That usually is a a, a themed drag show component leading <laughs> into the movie. Yeah, it's right. it's and we and we actually just played this movie not that long ago. I think it was a staff yeah. pick, like yeah, a matinee or something. And yeah. um, so so yeah, but the but rated Q wanted to do it, and it you know obviously it fits in with the theme of the whole yeah. thing. So yeah. So, yeah. Um, and then you're showing Flight, which, uh, fucking please, one of the best movies ever. My favorite Denzel Washington performance. You're showing that in that's 35. The, that's the movie that put me in a in a room with him, finally. Uh, with, I, and with, Eric, too, I think, right? Me, yeah, that was, me too. Yeah. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. um, so yeah, that's that tells a special place in my heart. And with, 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 be, who, with, with who? Denzel or, or, or Zemeckis? No, Robert. with Zemeckis. Zemeckis. Oh, Zemeckis. Yeah. Okay. okay. Yeah. Cool. Um, uh, yeah, that, it, took, it took Marwin for me. To get, yeah, <laughs> that's that's when I when I first uh, when I the first time I ever really got to hang with him, uh, but uh, but flight which was his return after doing the animated stuff, mm-hmm, and right. he returned with only his second R rated movie. I mean, he dove in, man. Like he went. It's mm-hmm. like, oh, okay, you you want you want you want me to do something completely different than what I've been doing <laughs> here. Yeah. Here's this opening scene for you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Huh. Uh, uh, Forrest Gump in 35, one of the greatest movies ever made. The Frighteners, as you mentioned, I Want to Hold Your Hand, uh, which is one of the funniest movies ever. Uh, Polar Express, which is fun. Uh, Romancing the Stone. Uh, you know what? For for a movie where he's like, yeah, I'll do that movie. It was a, he was a hired gun on it. It fucking rules. Yep. <laughs> rules. Uh, uh, used Cars, the funniest movie of all time. And you're showing that on 35. The Walk, mm-hmm. an amazing movie, insanely underrated, a great film about filmmaking. That's what that movie is about. Welcome to Marwin, critically underrated. What Lies Beneath, as I mentioned, Who Framed Roger Rabbit, and more titles to come. That's um, amazing. Now, Eric, you've got to be thrilled about this. I know how I know I, that this yeah. is, you know, you and I, this is, this is an obsession that you and I both have, and that's Zemeckis. Yes. Yeah, we are not far off on our assessment of Robert Zemeckis. And yeah. uh, when I when Steve first told me this was going to be happening, you know, I'll, I was just like, "Well, what's the schedule? What's the schedule? What's the schedule?" Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I, you know, I I don't get out to the music box as often as I like for for movies all the time, but I will be. I'm already got this on my calendar, so yeah. there are going to be several days where I will be there. Uh, you know that the Bobby DeChico thing that is definitely I'm going to be there for that and uh several of those other ones as well yeah i'm going to every one of them steve so just yeah. I, I, you need to you need to know you need to know that ahead of time just i'll put a sign out on put a, a sign on a door put it put it put it 
just rope off a seat because I'm going to be there. At, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not fucking kidding. I will be. I think I, I will be. At, I will be at every one of them. Uh, so there you go. But that's amazing. Uh, Robert Zemeckis and a hometown dude, man. So uh, mm-hmm. not only that, fucking celebrate the genius and the important artistic achievements that one of the greatest American directors who to ever walk this earth has made. And his next movie is going to be fucking great. Well, we're not going to. I don't want to get into that. But anyway. <laughs> So anyway, I couldn't be more thrilled. And that all starts April 13th, April 13th through the 19th. An incredible uh, 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 salute to Robert Zemeckis. And uh, the passes are on sale. When do, when do the tickets go on sale? They go on They're, sale already? The, the, the passes are on sale now. The passes tickets will now. go on sale middle of March. Like okay. I think the 15th for members and like a day or two later Got for it. everyone else. Right. So, so yeah. a celebration of one of the greatest filmmakers of all time. Robert Zemeckis, uh, April 13th through the 19th. Musicboxtheater.com. Get your passes now. Individual uh-huh. tickets go on sale soon. God damn it. I'm excited about that. So, anyway. All right. <laughs> That's good. All right. Yeah, I remember when you told me about it, Eric, I probably had the same reaction. Steve's like, yeah, we're going to do the Zemeckis thing. I was like, what? Like, it was yeah. just. <laughs> so, anyway. All right. Um, okay. Well, let's start with the. <laughs> now let's. Speaking of artistic on. achievements. Oh, my God. Now let's, yeah. let's, let's move on to this week's. <laughs> Jesus week. Christ. We're going from we're going from Eric. You must be thrilled about this. We're going from Robert Zemeckis to this week's releases. Yeah, oh. uh, it is quite it is quite the downslope. Oh my God! All right, well, um, uh, all right, Eric. Let's start off with uh, well, uh, arguably, I guess the best of the three, <laughs> which this is, is not true. It is the best right. of the three, but that's like saying having your finger chopped off instead of your toe chopped off is better. I don't know. Um, yeah. So. Creed three, Eric. Yeah, go ahead. Ah, uh, all right. Uh, well, this uh, film uh, continues the, uh, the the adventures in the life of Adonis Creed, uh, the illegitimate son of Apollo Creed, uh, played by Carl Brothers in in the Rocky series. Michael B. Jordan, who has played Adonis Creed in the first two movies, now steps into the director's chair as well. Uh, and as this story begins, uh, though we get one little brief fight with him at the beginning, uh, he is now uh, retired. Uh, from professional boxing, and, and he's sort of kind of in a manager's uh, type of role with a new up-and-coming boxer, but uh, that is when an old uh, friend of his from his reform school days uh, named Damian Anderson, played by Jonathan Majors, is released from prison after 18 years, uh, and he you know he shows up, and he kind of comes back into his life and uh, integrates himself uh, in, into his life and with his, his wife, uh, Bianca, again played by Tessa Thompson, uh, and is very much, he was a boxer when he was young, uh, and he is very much looking to get back into the boxing game and not just, you know, little golden glove fights or, and, you know, anything amateur. He really wants to go all the way and, uh, more or less just kind of inches his way, uh, up to a, an opportunity to, uh, get into an actual title fight, uh, with someone, uh, the, they keep referencing the fact that, uh, Apollo, his uh, Donis's father, uh, gave this little fighter named Rocky Balboa a shot. Uh, and if you want to hear more about Rocky Balboa, you're not. Uh, but uh, it turns out that <laughs> Damien uh, is has a, a bit more in mind than just getting this title shot. That he's kind of on a revenge tour uh, against Adonis, who he believes uh, left him behind. Not only just kind of put him in prison uh although there was you know he he was helping him out and then he basically let him rot away in prison and never uh visited him and whatnot he's on a full-on revenge tour against this guy 
and uh, is just says he's going to take everything from him. That, I don't know quite know how that works in today's society, unless he's going to get him canceled or something. But uh, this is the the storyline that we're following with Creed three, uh, and which in some cases may as well have been called Rocky three uh, because we're following a very similar path here. <laughs> there are a lot of things that happened in this movie that happened in Rocky three. The the only <laughs> real difference is that Jonathan Majors is not playing. Quite as bombastic a character as Mr. T's Clubber Lang. Uh, he's a little bit uh, sneakier. Uh, and that's the part, the portion of Creed 3 that I actually was into was the first half of the movie. I liked, uh, I, I still like what Jonathan Majors brings to a character like this. And he brings a kind of a silent menace. And I think that the these early scenes between him and Jordan have a real underlying tension between them. Uh, and we almost have a, a point where we're almost on Damien's side for a bit of it. I mean, Adonis did leave him behind. He never, you know, checked up on him or anything like that. So, I mean, he does kind of have a bit of a beef. I think where the movie really takes a left turn into being something deep and serious is basically when he reveals the fact that he is on this revenge tour. And it just, it goes from uh, zero to a hundred in just a couple of scenes. And I think the second hour of this movie, this movie's under two hours, but the second hour of this movie, uh, it, it just becomes so rushed to get all this information out and to, to get us to the, the, the eventual challenge that they're, they're going to fight, you know, have, have an actual heavyweight fight. Uh, or I don't even know what weight they are in this movie anyway. All I can say is that I don't, I don't think boxing, the boxing organization or whoever runs anything nowadays runs the way this does because it's basically just Adonis seems to be all, just always on the phone with somebody going like, yeah, we're going to let him spar. Oh, okay, well, I guess he gets a title shot then. Okay, well, I fixed everything. That's that's the extent of insider <laughs> boxing that you get in this movie, uh, which is really kind of stupid. Uh, but like you said, the, the, the second half of the movie is them just rushing through all these plot uh twist and whatnot and then just like okay we got to get to the montage scene and here are your montage scene and then here's the final fight and michael b jordan in the director's chair i think is also one of the problems with this movie not just the the pacing of the back half but he makes some directorial choices particularly in the final fight that i found completely un i don't want to say unforgivable but it just you want to say talk about taking you out of one of the highlights, dude. I, gotta, I just, I, I just have to say, Eric, you and I yeah. are so in sync on this fucking movie. It's <laughs> unbelievable. It's and we didn't wow. talk about it. We had a quick no, text back and forth. You, everything yeah. you're saying, we are so mm-hmm. in sync. Go ahead. I'm just sorry, but you, a, so far, I'm good. Uh, I'm not going to have to say anything. Just keep going. We're we're so in sync. It's amazing. Robert Zemeckis didn't direct it, but anyway, <laughs> uh, because then it would have been good. Anyway. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, the one of the highlights of the Creed series have actually been the boxing scenes. The boxing scenes, is, you know, in the other movies, have been really well done, and there are moments in this that do work. But uh, I think that taking Rocky completely out of the equation, I know they want this character to stand on his own, and that's part been one of the themes of this series. But you, just eliminating Rocky from the equation seems to be just a calculated misstep that someone was enacting revenge on Sylvester Stallone themselves, uh, which is really unfortunate. Uh, the final fight, I couldn't get less engaged with it because of the directorial choices, and I left the, the theater very disappointed uh, in a series. And I go all the way back to 1976 that I have enjoyed mostly through and through, even through some of its more ridiculous incarnations, the Rocky and Creed series I have been a fan of 
this is one of the lesser films in the entire uh, series. Okay. All right, go ahead, Steve. What'd you think? Well, well, I won't argue it's one of the lesser films in the Creed series for sure. But at that that being said, I I definitely was fully involved with it, even in moments where I was frustrated with it. I was more frustrated in the, I, I don't want to say underuse of the the Tessa Thompson character, although she I think she's sort of wasted. But I don't. She's in this film a lot, and yet. She does very little other than just sort of stand next to Michael B. Jordan. And and there's a whole thing about her, like going from being like a singer to being a songwriter for other artists that doesn't really play out any anyway. I don't get what that was about. But I, yeah, like Eric said, it, Jonathan Majors is the reason to see this movie as far as I'm concerned. He is kind of kicks in a little bit of energy to this and a little, not just energy, but like an unpredictable nervousness that the the or i should say a nervousness that results from the, the character's unpredictability i like that it goes from him having the goal of becoming champion and then you realize oh this isn't just a goal this is a plan he's got a plan here and he and it, it is it is sort of nefarious in a way so um i like that aspect of it um and it, when i was watching i'm like oh maybe these guys are gonna be friends to this whole process but um I would also say that we literally spent two whole movies about Adonis Creed coming out of the shadow of both his father and Rocky Balboa. I didn't mind for a second that Rocky is like barely a presence in this because we like this is a story about something from Adonis's past that is coming back to haunt him. Not his father's past, not Rocky's past. We have done that twice. We'd, I didn't need a third film where they try to wedge in Sylvester Stallone the way I felt he was kind of wedged into the second film uh, more than he needed to be. But I was I was fine with that part. And I would even argue that the story being so the formula of this story being so close to Rocky uh, th- uh, three is the ultimate tribute <laughs> to the Rocky film. So I again, I didn't miss it because it felt like it was still there in many ways. Maybe not as overtly as in the last two movies, but it was there. Um, and I, I actually didn't mind. Like, I mean, every everybody who directs a boxing movie knows there's probably only a, a finite number of ways to direct the actual boxing matches. I did not mind that very brief uh, thing that you're talking. I assume you're talking about, Eric, where they kind of just eliminate everything around them. And we just see it through through the boxer's eyes like, you know, the crowd disappears the sound yes, drops no. out, if I remember correctly. Well, yeah. Um, yeah. It, it, it then, lasts for like they, 30 then, seconds. And then, no, it doesn't. And then, no, it's longer than 30 and seconds. And then he's in jail. And he's, he's in, in jail. jail. And there are kids. And there's a mattress. It's bullshit. But go ahead. Go ahead. Thank you. <laughs> well, you know what? I'm done then. No, no, I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. I'll shut up. You guys are. You guys win this one. Fine. Go ahead. No, no, ahead, no okay. All right. No, no, no. Oh. I'm, not, I'm not gonna. No, but I'm, no, no, but no. you. But Steve, no, no, Steve, you said it was 30 seconds. It's a lot longer than 30 seconds. It is. It's not just a brief cutaway. There's. It's a whole sequence. It's a fantasy sequence inside the characters' heads. It's not 30 seconds. It goes for like four rounds. It's. Uh, it's, no. it's Steve's done. No, it's go ahead, Steve, because seriously, go ahead. It, but I'm just saying it's more it's definitely more than 30 seconds. It's a sequence in the movie. It's more than 30 seconds. So um, the last thing I'll say is that I kind of hope this is the end of it, because I think it could be. And <laughs> I doubt it is. I doubt it is. But um, I think this is, you know, decent enough, satisfying enough for me to, like, be the last chapter of this. Okay. okay. 
I'm done now. Well, all right. So the, my, my point is this. I agree with everything that Eric said. My point is that uh, my, I'm, the only reason that, that Stallone isn't in this movie uh, is because uh, he got into a, a, a well-established argument with 91-year-old Irvin Winkler and the family. And the only reason that he's not in the script is because uh, he, he pissed off the producer. Um, and it's blatantly obvious. There's, there's the fact that they don't even utter his name. His name isn't even said. Rocky Balboa's name isn't even said. Um, and, and, and to be a major part of both of the other movies uh, is, you know, that's, that's fine. If, you, if, if the point, and Stephen, I know your point is like they've been, they, for two movies, they've you know, been shoving Rocky down our throats. Well, you know what? If without Stallone, this fucking series wouldn't exist. That's all there is to it. And to completely cut him out and not even mention his name is bullshit. And the only reason it's not there is because it's a vindictive thing that Erwin Winkler has against Stallone, which, which makes the script and the movie suffer. That's all I'm saying. And, uh, and I don't think he was wedged into any of those movies. I mean, the guy got an Oscar nomination for the first Creed movie, uh, and deservedly so. Um, and to have him, like, completely, like, look, if you want, him, you want him gone, have a scene in the first beginning of the movie where they kill him off. Oh, uh, he died. Here's a little flashback. That's it. And then you never have to mention him again. But to, to completely ignore the character, not even mention his name, it's not good for the story, and it's also obvious that it's just a vindictive producer taking a poke at Sylvester Stallone. It has nothing to do with making the story better or more interesting or making it more about, about, about Creed. It's about a producer taking a pot shot at Stallone. That's it. There's nothing more to it. It doesn't add any kind of thing to the, to the story. And it especially doesn't work if you want to distance yourself from Stallone. Don't remake Rocky III. Don't use the Bill Conti score. Don't fucking do that. If you don't want to have anything to do with Stallone, then don't fucking evoke Stallone. I kept waiting for Thunderlips Jr. to show up, and he didn't, and I was disappointed by that. But, uh, no, I think, this is a, I think this is a terrible movie. <laughs> I think it's a terrible movie. And you know what? And, and, again, and you guys are both like, I'm not in this Jonathan Majors uh, camp at all. I don't, I don't get it, man. I don't get it. I prefer uh, Mr. T. I'm not kidding. Uh, so I don't, I don't get it. So for me, and I know, Eric, you were like, yes, you were on board for Jonathan Majors. I wasn't even on I board am. for him. I was not even on. I don't get the whole Jonathan Majors thing at all. So yeah. Um, so I just I think this is an actively bad movie and an unbelievable insult to the 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 creator of this entire universe, if we're using that term. Um, so I hated it. I thought it was terrible. So all right. Anyway, all right. And sorry, Steve. I didn't mean to. You know, like, I, but but when you said it was only thirty seconds, that's when I had to jump in because it wasn't. It's not. It's a it's a whole sequence. So, anyway, so I apologize if that pissed you off. <laughs> Seriously, I do. I you didn't piss me off. I'm just saying. You didn't I piss just, me off but, at all. Yeah, no. Okay. All right. Anyway, I'm sorry. So, I'm I'm not gonna win any part of this argument. <laughs> not that it should be an argument. It's right. a sharing of opinions. But yeah, I'm, I'm not gonna get yelled over either. So anyway, no, I know I understand. I totally understand. But it, I just didn't want. I didn't want you know. I didn't want you to think it was. That you weren't getting a you know like you weren't getting a fair shake to get in and say what you wanted to say you know what I mean I want to make sure you say I, what I you said it all okay okay cool all right all right I now it say it say it all about the new Guy Ritchie movie Steve uh, let's all team up <laughs> <laughs> I don't think we're going to argue about this one I don't think there's going to well, be any this, kind of not this particular movie although I'm not in the same camp as you guys that think that every single thing that Guy Ritchie yeah. has done is terrible but yeah that we won't go said, we, won't, we, we won't go into that let's just talk about operation no, Fortune, say, right? that being said i think i think his best movies are the are the ones with jason statham not all of them but i think right. like especially those first couple i think are like a great one-two punch that you know like 
for just for what I remember seeing them just cold. Um, to, now that that being said, and and to call, I wouldn't even necessarily call Guy Ritchie a hit and miss director. I think that's generous. But he has his moments sometimes. Okay, that being said, I mean he even has another movie coming out in a month and a half. So he we'll, does, we'll go right? This, we'll, get, we'll go through this <laughs> whole thing all over again. I know. <laughs> um, not with not with Statham, by the way, with Jake Gyllenhaal. But anyway, um, and it's not. I don't think it's a crime movie either, which is it's strange. a war. Anyway, it's a war. Okay, it's a war, it's a war film. Movie. Some sort of war yeah. thing. Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyway, my point is, you never quite know which version of Richie you're going to get from film to film. That's fine, whatever. So the late their latest work, Statham and Richie, is Operation Eric. Yeah. Um, Operation <laughs> Fortune, uh, Rue de Guerre, which I don't, I know they explain it in the movie, but I could not explain what that subtitle means yeah, if agree. you put a gun to my head. Um, it's an overly slick action comedy about a British special intelligence agent's named Orson Fortune, played by Statham, who's hired to retrieve something so secret and dangerous to global security that no one will actually tell him what it is he's trying to retrieve. Um, with permission of his boss, played by Carrie Owens, he hires a team of experts in various fields to assist him, including a hacking expert uh, played by Aubrey Plaza and a weapons expert played by the rapper Bugsy Malone. Uh, and they sort of jointly discover that all roads lead to the billionaire arms broker named Greg Simmons, played by Hugh Grant, basically giving us the same riff he did in The Gentleman. And it's I thought that's still the funniest thing in this movie is Hugh Grant. Um, but he's basically auctioning, auctioning off this tech to the highest bidder and getting a huge commission in the process. Since it's nearly impossible to get anywhere near this guy, the, the team discovers that his one weakness is that he's a bit of a star fucker. And uh, especially when it comes to an action star named Danny Francesco, played by Josh Hartnett. So they recruit the actor um, to sort of take part in their little scheme to get close to this guy. And Danny's kind of nervous and excited. And he kind of do it under the pretense that, you know, Danny's going to be playing this part that's sort of similar to this guy. So, and this guy just, you know, swallows the bait completely um so <laughs> the the jokes in this movie almost i've never seen a movie where the jokes land so flat every time and the portrait but beyond that the portrait of like a huge hollywood star doesn't ring true in the slightest um the, the richie wrote this screenplay with the guys he wrote the gentleman and wrath of man with his last two films it's easily the least successful of their collaborations, and, and none of them are particularly good. The action is uninspired. The twists and turns are about as twist and turning as a pretzel rod. Um, the, the Statham doesn't even seem to care whether we buy his performance here, and um, he he just sort of sets this tone of like pretend you hate everyone and leaves it there for two hours. Um, I, I think the and the film's greatest crime I think is making Aubrey Plaza unfunny and uninspired and i you know look I, I i'm not saying everything she's been in has been great but jesus i've never seen her try so hard to be funny and just just fail like it's 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 kind of scary and i and i blame the material it's not her um i guess it looks pretty the action scenes are shot well enough but there's an entire there's this like an entire subplot about this rival gang that's attempting to steal this tech away from Fortune's team that I never cared about. It doesn't go anywhere, and it serves no purpose un other than to unnecessarily extend the running time, which is like this film definitely does not need. So, you know, ask me how I feel about Guy Ritchie's movies in a month and a half. I guess, but I'm I'm guessing I'm guessing it'll be better than today, but maybe not. Who knows? Okay. Anyway, all right, that's it. All right, uh, Eric, what did you think oh, of? Good, uh... good God. Um, yeah. 
I mean, I, watching the movie and like watching the setup of this thing, uh, it, it was like Guy Ritchie got drunk one night and decided that he was going to make John Le Carre's Team America World Police. I mean, that the the entire <laughs> film, it, you know, when as soon as they they picked up Josh Hartnett and said we need an actor to infiltrate uh, yeah. this yeah. thing, uh, I'm just like <laughs> I, I'm watching. I'm like, I can't believe I'm watching this and thinking that the puppets in that movie have bigger personalities I, than the characters. In this movie, I mean, I never even thought of that. Big. I never even thought of that, Eric. But yeah, you're right. You're uh, absolutely right. <laughs> yeah, and and you think about the the big personalities you have in this movie, and like Jason Statham is so desperately he, you could tell in his performance, he wants to be playing the same character that he played in Spy. You know, he's just yeah. kind of short yeah. of that. It's almost like Guy Ritchie is telling him, like, no, 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 you can't be that funny. So you got to scale it back. We still <laughs> need you to be Statham. But we can't be have you be the guy in Spy because then no one will take this seriously, even though nobody in this movie is taking anything seriously, even though there are lots of gunshots and a lot of people die. Aubrey Plaza seems like she's trying to do a, an interpretation of her satire of Bond girls, but the way that they use her in this movie, like they can't figure out how to use her at all. Uh, Hugh Grant and Josh Hartnett are basically doing that crap-ass Nicolas Cage movie from last year. That's an entirely almost different movie that we're in. Uh, everything else is just noise. Uh, I mean, there's, the, the action isn't interesting. Uh, there's the comedy, like, I mean, Steve is absolutely right. I mean, the comedy in this movie, every single, there's not, I mean, I don't even know where the joke begins and where they end at some point. Uh, and, and what we're supposed to be laughing at, if anything, uh, I mean, this this is one of the worst movies of the year. It, it just is, and that goes without saying because Guy Ritchie directed it. Yeah, I, I, I and Steve, uh, I could not agree with you more about what you were saying about Aubrey Plaza. Uh, <laughs> I, I've never seen her be more forced, and because the material is like every time, like she would do a joke, and literally it got to the point. You guys, I'm sure you agree with me on this. It got to the point where like they, like Ritchie would like cut back to her to the point where like it got to the point where it's like how many is she going to fucking wink at the camera? You know what I mean? Yes. Like at some point, is it literally going to be, is she going to say, okay, that was a joke. Laugh now. You know what I mean? It was that bad. And Aubrey Plaza is such an incredibly talented and unbelievably amusing and lovely and funny talent. Oh my, it's the worst thing she's ever done. And you can see her and it's not her fault. You can see her desperately trying to grasp onto something. You know, which is the case for everybody in this movie. Even Josh Hartnett is like, what am I, you know, what is he doing? And, you know, Hugh Grant, again, like you said, Steve, he's doing what he did in The, in the Gentleman, you know. And, mm-hmm. and Hugh Grant rules. And I love the second half of Hugh Grant's career more than the first half because I love what he's been doing with it. And, and I find him, and I love, every time I see him now, old Hugh Grant, I love old Hugh Grant. I love, not, I love stodgy, angry, weird Hugh Grant. I don't like, you know, like stuttering, charming hair Hugh Grant from the 80s and the, and the 90s. Um, so, uh, but this is like, this is a Guy Ritchie movie through and through. It's like if a 12 year old horny 12 year old boy who was illiterate got drunk and watched Mission Impossible, this is what he would make. Um, but I, but I will say this, Eric, you trumped me on that, uh, because I didn't even think of Team America and that's exactly what it is. So no, it's a horrible, horrible movie, a really terrible movie. Um, and I'm, I've never been a fan of Guy Ritchie, um, ever. Uh, so this, to me, is consistent with the kind of crap he does all the time. Um, but I don't know. We'll see. But there's, a, I mean, the guy keeps making movies. My God. I mean, you know, in, in, he's got another one coming out. I mean, the guy's Aladdin. Did Aladdin, man. Did Aladdin make money? Man. Aladdin made money, right? Did Aladdin make money? Yeah, very, a lot of money. Jesus. I don't, I don't get it. I never have. But anyway, this is like, 
But see, this is a real, this is a quintessential Guy Ritchie movie, and it's and mm-hmm. and it, which means it's shit. So, mm-hmm. uh, listen, we we talked way too much about uh, uh, about well, we didn't talk too. You can never talk too much about Zemeckis, <laughs> which means uh, we're not going to have time to really talk about Children of the Corn, except to say, oh. uh, like, a, let's get a two word review from each of you. Uh, let's, uh, Eric, uh, what did you think of Children of the Corn? Couple of couple of few words, quick. Oh gosh, um, I, I don't mind when they try to do a completely new take on a story like this, and I think that there's a little <laughs> bit of a pylon going on right now in this movie. Uh, I it's not good, uh, but right. I didn't hate it as much as everyone seems to be right now. Okay, Steve, two words: fuck corn. <laughs> With a K, right, man? No, you can't. There it is. Right. <laughs> Come on, man. Those guys were awesome at uh, Coachella. Uh, okay. Um, I, I I will say it's. I thought it was terrible, uh, and I didn't realize that it was a prequel. I was like, oh, it's a pre- it's, so it's a prequel. I didn't yeah. know that. And here's the thing: it's a terrible movie. But I will say this: I didn't realize until like I, I I started to read a little bit more about this after I had watched it. This is the 11th Children of the Corn movie. Are you guys aware oh, yeah. that there have yes. been... A, a, yes. Where, where the hell have I... How did I... I mean, I knew there were like four or five of... 11? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Including a straight remake that those that aired on yeah. sci-fi. Like yeah, 2009 no, or something I just like wasn't yeah. aware that there were fucking 11 of them. I had no, yeah. I had no idea. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I don't know. You can, you'll Inclu- see, including the- ones with Charlize Theron and Naomi Watts. Oh, God. Jesus, I keep forgetting. And, and, to Ava, watch Mend- and Ava Mendez. Oh, yeah. Ava Mendez, oh, yes. Jesus Christ, 11 of them. And for me, yeah. uh, you know, that's 10 too many if you're not going to include Courtney Gaines. That's it. That's as far as I'm <laughs> yeah. concerned. That's yeah, it. that's good. Yeah, yeah. so anyway. One, one right. of them set in Chicago. Uh, in it. <laughs> wait, wait. How <laughs> did I miss? Where? What? <laughs> How did in I... four in Urban Harvest? It's set in Chicago. Oh, I didn't see that one. Listen, <laughs> I guess I, I guess we're gonna have to we're gonna have to do uh, Steve. You and I are gonna have to host a panel at Flashback for uh, the Children of the Corn. I think let's do that. What do you think, Steve? We host a panel. I think a series I, I, at the I'm Music down. Box. <laughs> there it is. They, they, did, they did Final yeah. Destination. We can do contact, the corn. Yeah, contact the Oscar. <laughs> contact the Oscar bait dudes. I'm sure they'll be up for that. So. All right. Yes. Anyway, what do we got in two weeks? What's coming out in two weeks? Anything? Uh, of Shazam. Note? No, Shazam God. two. All right. Okay, great. Yeah. All right. Well, and uh, Michael... and uh, Inside with Willem Dafoe, which I think oh, is yeah. interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Inside with Willem Dafoe. All right, cool. All right, well, thanks, guys. Uh, Steve, Eric, thank yeah. you guys. We'll talk to you soon, okay? Thanks, good. Thanks. There you go. All right, there's Steve, and there's, uh, there's uh, Eric, a, a lively uh, conversation today uh, for three bad movies. But remember, the Robert Zemeckis Festival is happening April 13th through the 19th at the Music Box. That's the most important thing. Speaking of important, here's Esmeralda Leon. Esmeralda. Yeah, Esmeralda Leon, yeah, Esma, I'm talking about that Esma, Esmeralda Leon, yeah, Esmeralda, yeah, yeah, oh, Esmeralda Leon, yeah, yeah, get yourself some Esma, love me some Esma. Oh, it's the best. Jason Skaggs. Might be the greatest uh, theme of all time, I think. That's Esmeralda Leon. Hi, Esmeralda. Hello. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? I never get sick of hearing that. And I know you don't because it's it's your theme. Well, yeah, it's my theme. Yeah. It's about me. So, yeah, That's why would I get tired of it? 
<laughs> and the and the nickname stuck. Esma, it's stuck. So mm-hmm. there we are. Mm-hmm. Uh, cool. All right. Uh, it is a uh, it is a Friday. And uh, any plans for uh, the weekend? Your first weekend, full weekend back from uh, Mexico and fighting off scorpions and cockroaches and frogs. I plan to sleep. <laughs> All right. Where there are no scorpions. No scorpions. <laughs> no frogs. And no cockroaches. Yes. And no cocaine I don't bears. Think. There's no cocaine bears in there. Yeah, no. No cocaine no, bears. No, fortunately. No, yeah. Now you don't no want cocaine, cocaine bears. bears. You also don't want one in a movie theater because <laughs> it's a terrible movie. So, anyway. Uh, oh, uh-oh. Wait a minute. I'm sorry. Uh-oh. Oh, boy. Hi, I'm Carrie Russell, and oh. I love Nick's show. She's got a sign that says, fuck you, Nick. Hi, Does I'm she? Carrie Russell, and I <laughs> love Nick's show. <laughs> I'm amazed she still loves the show. She, I know, she, think, she does. You know, a little, the, just a little sore spot now. <laughs> it is a little bit of a sore spot, but, you know, like, ultimately she, you know, she obviously, well, won, she wins because she's fucking Carrie Russell and she'll win everything. Hi, right. I'm Carrie Russell. And she got I paid already. Love so Nick no and not only that, the movie made bank. So everybody involved in that movie, I could rip that movie apart. Everybody who hated that movie, and a lot of people did. Um, mm-hmm. Everybody, Elizabeth Banks, everybody associated with they're all laughing to the bank. So they don't right. care. They don't care. <laughs> So anyway, um, all right. So uh, so we, we've got uh, we're going to talk a little bit about Adult Swim later, and I'm very excited about that. Uh, we also we're kind of getting low on the Kit Kats on our exotic Kit Kats. We are. So yeah. are we moving on? I still have my I still have a bunch of uh, the the Mexican candy that we got. I still have some of that. We can can we? Uh, did you uh, do you still have some of yours? Yeah, I never ate it. Oh, okay. No, I still have it. <laughs> We were keeping it. Yeah, no, I've got, I got the whole thing right here. I did eat a couple things because I had doubles. Uh, yeah, you know what I mean, I yeah, had yeah. doubles and I wanted to ch- test them out. And again, one, one of those things, I'm telling you, it was one of the, and I still have a second of the. It was one of the hottest goddamn. I had to take it out of my my mouth. Wow. Because some of the heat, I'm not a big, I'm kind of a wimp when it comes to like really hot stuff. Clearly. But my God. <laughs> so anyway, we'll do the, we'll finish up the Kit Kats uh, maybe the next time, the time after. Uh, and we'll move yeah. on to the to the yeah, crazy yeah. Mexican candy, which I love. But I have like a peach one and uh, and a scary a Dracula one, and you have like a what, okay. what's the scary one you have? I have cheesecake flavored, and then I, I have uh, um, Freddy. Freddy. Okay, I got Dracula. But he looks really nice. He looks actually quite. So he's got quite a sweet look on his face. Okay. <laughs> maybe, well, maybe in Asia, uh, Freddy's a nice guy. Maybe. Well, no, because he's doing the he's doing the 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 sign language. Oh, he's doing. Oh, that's right, sign language. That's right. Okay. Yeah. So he's like being. He's really sweet about it. Well, can you <laughs> can you actually read the sign language? Considering he's got knives for fingers, does that affect the does that affect the signs at all? Well, no, it doesn't because the, the knives are fingers. Okay. So. All right. I thought maybe <laughs> you that can had, still you, know. you can still sign. They're just going to be very long. The, pointy right knives. but there is there is a chance though that while freddie is signing he might chop off one of his fingers by, by mistake if he gets very right yeah. or yeah. one of your fingers or one of my, more careful. likely one of yeah one of our fingers yes more likely exactly okay well we got a scary kit kat and you got a cheesecake kit kat i i don't man. yeah i don't i don't think i got one of those unless i dug uh i didn't dig enough uh, into the sack boy that's a out of context right there digging into my sack <laughs> all right <laughs> So uh, before we get to the stuff, um, Esmeralda, mm-hmm. I'm so glad that you are going to be in town for our next 
uh, Nick D podcast live. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Because this is a very special one. And for people who don't know, our next uh, Zanies event, and this is our home for our Nick D podcast live events, Zanies in Rosemont. And I want to thank Chris and Alex and everybody at Zanies for being like, yeah, do your thing here. We love it. And for the people who are coming back, we have regular now uh, monthly uh, audience members who come back every month. Uh, the next one is Tuesday, March 28th. And my dad will be there to tell a joke. And Esmeralda, you will mm-hmm. be there. I will. We will have very fun uh, interactive topics. We'll have huge laughs and tell funny stories. It'll be recorded as a live podcast. We will have prizes to give away and trivia to do. And uh, by the way, Esmeralda, we're, you know that'll be closer to Easter. Mm-hmm. So I've already mm-hmm. done this. I have uh, little Easter egg. I have Easter eggs with little treats for everybody in the audience. Oh, wow. So, yeah. That's very sweet. Yeah, Are you going to dress like, up like the Easter bunny? I doubt that very highly, but <laughs> I do have Easter eggs. Everybody will get an Easter egg with a little toy inside. Oh, wow. Yeah. Look so, anyway. So, we have all that, as we always do, because we always, like, either give a treat at the end of the show. We do a little taste test or whatever. We always mm-hmm. have a special guest. You know, we had Tony Fitzpatrick. We had uh, uh, Dwayne Kennedy. We had John uh, DeCoste. Uh, so if I if I play this, does this does this give you a hint as to who our special guest is? Berwin. Does that give you? Oh well, yeah, completely. <laughs> Berwin. Yeah, that's not um, a very good. That's not a very good. Uh, yeah. Like, uh, hint that that almost doesn't. No, that one just gives it away completely. It does completely, but I'm not going to hide it. <laughs> um, because this guy calling all stations, clear the air lanes, clear all air lanes for the big broadcast. Yeah. Esmeralda Sven Gulli is going to be on stage with us. So exciting. <laughs> it's unbelievable. Um, and if you guys want to come out, Sven Gulli will be there. We'll have him on stage for over an hour. We'll interview him about his life and his career and Sven and the best movies he ever showed and the worst and the craziest things that ever happened to him. Sven is an incredibly great guy, and that's the great Rich Coes. And I asked him, mm-hmm. I'm like, hey, Rich. You think maybe you might be able to find a, a couple of hours or something and maybe... And he was like, yes. Yes, I'll do it. Let me check my schedule. <laughs> Let me check my schedule to make sure I'm free on March 28th. And he got back to me immediately. He's like, Nick, I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be great. So... Nice. Esmeralda Sven, Gooley, Rich Coes is going to be with us at the at the show. That's awesome. We're going to have to try to figure out ways to sneak in Berlin as much as possible. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm going to give the... I'm going to give that sound bite to our sound... Uh, to, the, to the producer that night, Alex. Berlin! We'll get it in there. Like, Do um, you know any restaurants in Berlin? Berlin! <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Uh, I hear Berlin. Yeah. Is... <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, yes. But Rich Coes is going to be with us. He's our special guest and it doesn't get better than that it truly does not get better than that um and we've had nice nice crowds we've never filled the place before but i got a feeling that it's mm-hmm. going to be pretty friggin full uh be with pretty Rich awesome. there. so get your tickets now they are available now zanies in rosemont parking is free uh it's centrally located very easy to get to tuesday march 28th uh 7 30 showtime the doors open at 6 30 and Rich Coe's, the Sven Gulli himself on stage. And by the way, um, my dad is sort of beside himself because when I bring my dad up to do his jokes at the end, I'm mm-hmm. going to have him and Rich do like a bad joke off. Because, you, know, oh, wow. you, you know, Sven is known for his bad jokes, like the really corny jokes that he tells. Yeah. 
well, uh, and you know my dad is known for his corny jokes. <laughs> so uh, I'm going to get my dad up there, and he and Rich are going to tell jokes back and forth. I'm telling you, it's going to be... I mean, for me alone, selfishly, it's going to be one of the greatest moments ever for me because my dad's going to be up there telling jokes with Sven Gulli. So that's going to be... Oh, I do want to say that he's not going to be in costume. I just He's okay. going to be... He's Rich Coase. He's just going to be Rich Coase. Right. So know that he's not going to be in costume. Uh, he may have a rubber chicken. I would imagine that maybe he'll bring a rubber chicken. <laughs> but he is making his appearance. I just want to make sure that people know this. He's making his appearance yeah. as Rich Coase. So okay. he will not be in makeup. He Got will not it. be in costume. Uh, he, we will talk about Sven Gulli, and I'm sure that like Sven Gulli, the character, will pop up every once in a while. But he will be in normal, regular, human street Rich Coe's clothing. Just want to make sure people human. know that. <laughs> so there you go. I just love that. He will be in human clothing. Human clothing. That's right. Yes. <laughs> uh, so Tuesday, March 28th, Zanies in Rosemont. Get your tickets now. You can call the box office at 847-813-0484 or go to rosemont.zanies.com. You'll see the Nick D Podcast Live event, March 28th. Get your tickets now because they're going to go fast. Rich Coes will be our guest. So uh, there you go. Berwin. All right. <laughs> so that's very exciting. Tuesday, March 28th. Get your tickets now. All right. Okay. Uh, megaphone message. Um, yes. As you know. I've got the magic megaphone, and we'll be giving one of those away. By the way, one of those will be signed by Rich Coase. Yeah. That megaphone that we will be giving away will be autographed by Rich Coase. And anyway, if you have a special message that you would like me to say into the megaphone, we'll do that. And oddly, this was already the megaphone that I was planning on doing that I recorded Mm -hmm. before it was official that Rich was going to be our guest. Mm -hmm. And this involves the Three Stooges, which is a big... Thing because Rich Coe's Three Stooges expert used to host yeah. uh, Stooja Palooza on MeTV. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, I think it's very strange. Roger sent in this request. Are you ready? Yes. All right. So this is the megaphone message he wanted me to record and to send out to the ether. And again, if you have a megaphone message, anything you want me to say or do, 773-417-6948. It's the uh, voicemail. NickDPodcast at gmail.com. Is Here we go. So can you can you can you make that out? I hear that I hear not me. I'm a pedestrian. That's it. Yeah, that's it. But then that's I hear it. Like, oh, because it's somebody's response. <laughs> it's like the character responding to that. So anyway, yeah. Got it. Not me. I'm a pedestrian. Not me. I'm a pedestrian. Now that actually sounds like that actually sounds like it could be the beat to a song, doesn't it? Right? Doesn't it really sound? I, 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 I didn't even realize that. I think we've got. I think we've got. I think we better call up uh, Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis. Not right? me. I'm a yeah, not, not me. me. I'm a That's right. Not me. Yeah. I'm a yeah. Not yeah. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. I'm a anyway, all right. So. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, um, so here was the here's the that's obviously Curly Esmeralda, mm. and he's saying, "Not me. I'm a pedestrian." Uh, yeah. And Mo Roger, his last name sounds like Mo something, so he just goes mm-hmm. by Mo. So all the Three Stooges references are flying everywhere, from Rick, Rich Coe's to this. Mo says, "I am loving your podcast. I listen every Tuesday and Friday on my way to work. I leave for my job at two a.m. So it's just like the old Ooh. times when, you, just like the old times when you were at the car wash. So here's somebody who is recreating those times when I used to be on uh, the car wash by listening to the podcast at two o'clock in the morning." 
My megaphone request is appropriate for the times we live in. When Mo was asked if he would fight for the Republic, he answers that he's a Democrat. Curly jumps in and says, not me, I'm a pedestrian. I would like to hear you use Curly's response in your best Curly voice. Okay. Now, um, let me just say, Esmeralda, I, I tried that. I recorded it. Mm-hmm. And it was really bad. My Curly is really bad. Wow. So all of I, those impressions and you can't do curly. I listen, curly's a very, very, very special, you know, a special dude. And uh so I decided I, I, I wanted to, you know, you know, to have curly represented well. I didn't want to have some mm-hmm. moron like me try to do a curly impression. <laughs> so I got the I recorded the real curly. I'm sorry, Mo. Uh, but my oh my curly impression just didn't cut it. It would have been awful. So we have the real curly uh, here. So there you go. Uh, now, did you watch the Stooges when you were growing up at all, Esmeralda? No, did not. Did you ever watch the Stooges uh, ever? Or you, uh, at all? No, no, no. Okay. I, I will catch them on TV, but eh. yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a, this is a this is a this is a cliche and and maybe a sexist one, but uh, for 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 the most part, women don't like the Three Stooges. Yeah, huh. yeah. It seems to be uh, it seems to be more of a guy thing. Um, uh, yeah. Although I did date a girl who liked the Stooges, so it's not complete. Mm. That's a, it's a blanket state. That's more of a blanket statement. You know what I mean? Right. Than anything else. Like women don't like this and men don't like that. Um, but in this case, most women don't like the Stooges. <laughs> See, but I like, um, I've seen stuff with, uh, Laurel and Hardy. Yeah. And, you know, I enjoy, and, um, yeah. yeah, Abbott and Costello yeah. and I enjoy, um, oh my gosh. Marx Brothers? Their name. Yes. The Marx yeah. Brothers. Well, that, I will say this. <laughs> I will say this. The, the Stooges, uh, it's different. They're different. And they are also mm-hmm. much mm-hmm. dumber. <laughs> I, so, and, and I love the Three go. Stooges. I love the Three Stooges. I adore the Three Stooges. I love them. I love them just as much as any of those old school comedy teams that made the short films in the 30s and the 40s and the 20s and stuff like mm-hmm. that. But uh, I will, I think, and any Stooge fan would admit this, the Three Stooges are a, a lot dumber than Laurel and Hardy, and especially a lot dumber than the Marx Brothers. <laughs> well, there you go. Explanatory. Yeah. No, that's I, 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 and I, and as a Stooges fanatic, I fully admit that you know, like you were like, yeah, I like Laurel and Hardy, and I like Evan Costello, and, I, and especially like yeah. the Marx Brothers. Yeah, that all makes sense because those are kind of like really clever and like, you know. <laughs> But the Stooges is really stupid. <laughs> they're just real dumb. It's just dumb. Uh, so not that they're not brilliantly executed comedically. You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. they are. Like they're, they're, the the slapstick executed in those shorts are is phenomenal. And the vaudeville routines that the Three Stooges did are brilliant comedically. Except that all their comedy is based on being dense. You know what I mean? <laughs> Whereas well, the, like go. like the Marx Brothers, there's really fun wordplay and stuff that will mm-hmm. go over your head. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? The same thing with and, yeah. and Laurel and Hardy is so beautifully like three dimensionally character based, you know, like you care about them. They they really mess with your emotions. Whereas like with the Stooges, it's like not me. I'm well, it's this. It's it's this. You know, so, so you know, instead of be, you know, instead of being a Republican, he's a pedestrian. That's the kind of you know what I mean. And then you know they smash a crowbar over your head, and the crowbar is bent. That's right. You know. 
And you'll see slapstick see. in the Marx Brothers and slapstick in, in the, those other things. Yeah, you definitely do. Yeah, but it's not based entirely on being dumb. <laughs> 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 so I understand. I understand if you're not a, not a huge uh, Three Stooges fan. So anyway, whatever, if you want Three Stooges, you want anything um, uh, in that uh, megaphone message, email me, nicktpodcast at, uh, Nick at com. But don't ask Nick to do a curly impression. I can't. It's not good, Esmeralda. You don't want. You don't want to hear it. You just don't want to hear it. He can do all the other ones. I can't. Just not that one. I can't do. I can do you every other a, impression. A, yeah. A giant array. That's right. Apparently of impressions, except curly. Yeah. yeah. And uh, and 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 I'm old because you know. I'm a That's right. So. Um, by the way, can I, can I play my favorite new soundbite that I'm going to be playing from time to time on the show? Sure. Okay, because you know, uh, we are less than two weeks away, almost a week away. We're just about a week away, Sunday. We're a week away from mm-hmm. the, Academy, the Academy Awards. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I don't care because like every, every, it seems like everything, everywhere, all at once is going to win everything. It's going to win Best Picture you know, and all that shit. And you know mm-hmm. I don't like the movie. I don't like it at all. And in fact... Uh, of the ten movies that are nominated for Best Picture this year, I only like one. <laughs> so, oh wow! I did, and this is the only one I like. And this, I decided that I'm going to play this every once in a while because I I love this movie and I love this woman so much. And this, I love this bit uh, describing men. And Esmeralda, anytime, uh, I, you know, because you unfortunately are partnered with a man. Mm-hmm. Um, at least I think I'm a man. I'm not really sure at this point, um, <laughs> but. Whenever I do something really stupid, uh, which is frequently, as you know, um, besides this. God damn it, Nick. Which is, you know, I hear regularly, maybe five, six times, a, a, you know, a day in my life. God damn it, Nick. But I also am going to play this because I'm a man. Uh, and whenever I say something that is, like, you know, ridiculous, uh, and I know that this is going around in your head. Here's, here's Carrie Condon from Banshees of Inisher. And boring, man, you're all feckin' boring. With your piddling grievances over nothing, you're all feckin' boring. That's right. So Yeah. <laughs> boring, she was, man, yeah. You're all feckin' boring. With your piddling grievances over nothing, you're all feckin' boring. I love her so much. <laughs> yeah, I was I was glad that she she made it. She made it. She because <laughs> I would have lost my mind. She sums there. up like the entire movie. You know what I mean? Like the entire mm-hmm. movie. It's like boring man. You're all fucking boring <laughs> with your piddling grievances over nothing. You're all fucking boring. I love her so much in that movie, and she's not gonna win. <laughs> so, but anyway, that uh, so anyway, I just thought that's one of my favorite sound bites now that I'm going to be going to every once in a while. So there you go. Nice. Right. Um, when did your uh, uh, when did you become aware of Adult Swim? And for people who don't know what Adult Swim is, maybe give people a little 101 on it. It involves Cartoon Network and it all started like over 20 something years ago, the Adult Swim. Yeah. So Adult Swim is essentially is a is a uh, block of uh, a block on the Cartoon Network channel that was more. I know it's in the title Adult Swim, but it was more ad- adult uh, because Cartoon Network was you know pretty much for kid all kids all kids yeah. all day it was for kids and then at night it kind of did a little switch 
where it was uh, the cartoons and the the TV shows were a little more adult, (laughs) cruder, the the language and the comedy a child probably would not understand. They probably shouldn't be watching it because, well, one, they should be sleeping. (laughs) Yeah. But it was just like a switch. It was something for the for the adults uh, to watch because, you know, adults enjoy cartoons. There's been. Yeah. Quite the long yeah. series of yeah. of just adult cartoons. It, it, yeah, uh, it's true. Before Adult it's, Swim. It's true. And 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 I think it was also like at that point by that point everybody at Cartoon Network knew that a lot of college students uh and and people in their 20s would get stoned or drunk and watch like Powerpuff Girls. You know what I mean? Or mm-hmm. watch cartoons Probably, in the Probably, yeah. I know yeah. that when I, when my buddies were going to college down in Champaign, we would go and visit them. Not that I was going to college, but I'd go down there to drink. <laughs> and we'd go and visit my buddies. And, like, they were living in an apartment, six guys, you know, college. And mm-hmm. we would go out and get hammered uh, and, uh, and then come back and drink more. And we'd watch Double Dare, like, until, like, 3 o'clock mm. in the morning. Yeah, yeah. And you know, obviously, you know Double Dare. Um, oh, yeah. What was it? Mark Summers, right? Mark Summers? Yes, yeah. Mark Summers. So we would watch Double Dare. We'd get hammered and watch Double Dare. And then I think at one point, somebody at Cartoon Network went, listen, we need to like tap into that market of people who are fucking high and drunk and cater to that crowd. I mean, they're watching Cartoon Network anyway. You know what I mean? So they're watching mm-hmm. Powerpuff Girls. They're watching cartoons. Why not make these weird short? And they were short. Like the shows were short. They were like they weren't full oh, yeah. half hours. They were like twelve minutes, oh, yeah, like ten 15. minutes long. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so even on that word, it was weird. And so that's what they decided to do. And of course, the market that they were doing it for, stoned, drunk people in the middle of the night, it took off. Um, and not that you were stoned or drunk, Esmeralda, but you did watch Adult Swim, correct? I did. Um, so I found out about it. I was in college. Um, and I remember, this is what cracks me up. I remember looking at, because I was in college, I was in the dorms and we had internet, like how we now have internet where it's just there. It's, and, and I, I had no idea how that worked because I came from my house where we just had AOL, (laughs) you had to sign in and this was like just on. So everyone would essentially have their instant messenger. Um, always on. Yeah. And so it's in the corner of your screen. And that's where I saw an ad for Aqua Teen Hunger Force. <laughs> and I was like, what in the hell? Because I would just, I would see the little images moving around and it was a milkshake and, <laughs> right. and the thing of fries and a meatball. And I'm like, what is happening? I need to watch this. <laughs> yeah. So I actually, yeah, I remember the first time watching it, it was with a couple of friends from my chinese language class <laughs> oh my god wow okay i'm sorry but that has what... that that has surrealism written all over it already yeah it? it was a it was a funny because one okay so one of them was he was older than than the two of us we were freshmen and the one guy was i think he was either a junior or a senior and still living in the dorms which i'm like okay uh <laughs> Sure, sure, guy. Um, he did live alone. He did live in like a single dormitory. But we went over. I don't know if that makes it better. I really don't know if that makes it better, Esmeralda. Yeah, not not really. He was, and I remember he was. Um, he was a huge, huge nerd, and he loved Japanese culture. Like he had lived there for a little bit, and he was doing. He was learning Chinese because he'd learned Japanese. So he would be in like class. He'd be like, oh. 
this is similar to this word in Japanese. And we're I, just all like, okay, I, I love, by the way, I'm sorry. I love how you almost just instinctually went to comic book guy from The Simpsons. That was essentially, yeah. that's the, that, you, I don't, I don't know what they, they all kind of sound like that. You can't, I don't know what it is. No, I they know. just kind of yeah. sound yeah. like they have yeah. that, like, like yeah. that kind of thing to them. Yeah. I don't know that's, why. That, there's a reason why that Matt Groening, you know, that's the voice that they, oh, yeah. that they did completely. Okay. Yeah, so we went. It was me and this other guy, and then and then the the junior, the senior kid who were all in this class, and we kind of like we sat next to each other and we kind of bonded. Like um, the other guy was really cool. Like I remember, like we'd go hang out and we watched like Run Lola Run, and then we just hang out in his dorm because he, oh, we all lived like very like right in the in the same right. area. Yeah. So we would we would hang out and we went over to the junior guy's house or dorm to watch adult swim and we were just watching he was showing us we i played ddr for the first get a ddr pad that he brought from japan you are he had are, a bunch of japanese way, magazines that you, you know they go you are left. so you are so setting the time period perfectly with a fucking right. with yeah. a run, I, we used to watch Run Lola Run, and then we had AOL, and then DDR. I'm like, I, I am, I have, I have successfully completely envisioned the exact time period. Uh, but we run, watched. Lola, but that run. was the night we wa- we came over and we watched Adult Swim, and it was the most amazing oh. thing I had ever seen. I had no, I was like, whoa. And then so, I got to play DDR as well. So, so what was on Adult Swim that night? Quite what do a you, night. What do you remember that was on? on Adult um, Swim it was night? Aqua Teen Hunger Force, for sure. <laughs> yeah. um, I want to say Space Ghost. That I don't remember if Space Ghost was on there. I want to say that there was um, Cowboy Bebop, but I'm not sure. That might not have. I, I might don't think. Just be yeah. Conf- conflagrating things. I think you might be. I think you might be. But I, I remember Cowboy for Bebop. sure. Was Cowboy Bebop a part of Adult Swim? I know it was right around the same time. I don't know. It might have just yeah. been part of the anime thing. I think it might be part of And this that might guy's... have been on after. Yeah. <laughs> like after I think it might have been just, just this guy's life. You know what I mean? Because that sounds like it. <laughs> Describing this guy, it sounds to me like he. I'm surprised his name wasn't Cowboy Bebop. Because, uh, you know. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I remember sure watching it. Aqua Teen Hunger Force and just being like, what did I yeah. just watch? Yeah. Well, uh, I felt the same way when I watched Aqua Teen uh, the first time I watched it. I was just like, what the fuck is this? Um, and I meant that in a good way. Like, mm-hmm. when yeah. it was over, I'm like, I'm not, what? What? And, and I'm, you know, I'm, old, I'm like 18 years older than you, Esmeralda. So, obviously, I was not necessarily the target audience. But you know me. I skew young. My brain, I'm a 57-year-old man with like a a 16 year old brain you know what i mean yeah <laughs> like i like I, <laughs> so that kind of stuff appeal or if, or if, uh, specifically a 16 year old girl's brain considering you know the felicity felicity gilmore girls you know right p- party of five gossip girl stuff that i love um but yeah but um adult swim by the way the guy who created it it says here did you know this that he worked in the shipping and receiving department at tbs like at Turner Broadcasting. I did not know that. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> I love that. My favorite people in the world, when I worked at the Jewels, mm-hmm. um, uh, I love people who work in shipping receiving. I love receiving people. I love them. And the woman who did for many years, the woman who did, she was in the receiving uh, area when the, when the trucks would come in and stuff, she mm-hmm. was always my favorite person. And whenever I wanted to just like slack off, I would go to the back 
to receiving and hang out with her. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I just love that. And I love shipping. So this guy worked in shipping and receiving. And his name was Mike Lazo, L-A-Z-Z-O. Mm. He's, the guy, mm-hmm. he's the guy who came up with Adult Swim. Oh. And, yeah, so he would work late in receiving. So again, man, if you're out there and you're working a job like shipping and receiving, one day you could be the guy who creates the new Adult Swim. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, this... Is a whole. I mean, it it became a huge thing amongst the young crowd in the two thousands. It did. It did. Now, now, number fourteen in this article, by the way, Esmeralda, take a crack at this one. Read this one because I find this fascinating. Because when the Space Ghost Coast to Coast started, okay, mm-hmm. I was familiar with Space Ghost. Okay, Space Ghost is an actual cartoon from the sixties. And that would be rerun, like a serious sort of like adventure kind of cartoon. And if you read this article, it tells you how they took these old Space Ghost cartoons and kind of fucked with them. And it, beca- it became Space Ghost Coast to Coast, Space Ghost Coast to Coast. But in, in real life, um, back in the 60s when I was a kid, Space Ghost was like, you know, it was like Speed Racer. It was that kind of sort yeah. of... Japan-inspired animation, but like a serious space adventure. Mm-hmm. And then Space Goes Coast to Coast, they turned it into a t- <laughs> they turned it into a talk show. Uh, but what, what what do you think of this little piece there that that, that uh, they talk where they talk about Space Coast? Um, well, it cracks me up that they apparently they they recorded it in a broom closet because well. <laughs> I'm practically I'm yeah. in a closet. It's not yeah. a broom closet, but <laughs> Yeah. It's a closet. Yeah. Uh practically the same thing, which is uh really fun, but I I love that they then also recorded it with a Radio Shack mic in a in <laughs> said broom closet. Yeah. Um but once Okay, so this is what I I think is cool. They just did it with no money, right? And then they spliced some footage from a bunch of the the old Space Ghost episodes with an existing Denzel Washington interview. Right. But once Cartoon Network approved the idea, they produced a slicker pilot with Space Ghost's original voice actor, which I don't remember that. Yeah. No, they had the real guy. They got the real guy. That's kind of cool. Oh, it's amazing. It's amazing. I mean, I love... Um... Oh my god, I can't remember his name right now. His co-host, the uh, the sidekick. No, uh, who's um George Lowe? Oh yeah, yeah. Sorry, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I love George Lowe. Is like as Space Ghost, amazing. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, I met George Lowe, by the way. Oh, did you? <laughs> yes. How did that happen? When um during the Johnny B days, uh, Man Cow. Because we, yeah, we shared Lupin, oh, Lupin Q101 shared a, yeah, a studios. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Okay, sorry, go ahead. Man Cow, Man Cow had him on uh, for one of the Comic Cons. One of, mm. I, I forget which one. Um, and then I got to meet him, and it was that's the most cool. amazing. That's cool. I ever, and then I had dinner with him. It was crazy. Oh, that's so cool. That is so cool. <laughs> it was weird for me. I was like dying, and everyone else is like, "You're a loser." Yeah. <laughs> I was like, leave no, me alone. That's, cool. that's so cool. <laughs> so, so was what was you? What was your favorite? Okay, of all the of all the stuff that eventually became part of Adult Swim, um, did you have a? Because there's so much good stuff that came out of there. I mean, because yeah, you know, like uh, Robot Chicken came out of that. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, the Venture Brothers, uh, you know, mm-hmm. we mentioned Space Ghost. 
Aqua Teen, Eric Andre, uh, so much amazing shit. Do you have a favorite from those days? What was your, what was, in all the days? Because, you know, I mean, Adult Swim still exists. So in, in, yeah. in, the, in the long, incredible 20-something history of, of, um, of Adult Swim, do you have favorite, what are your favorite things? I mean, I have to, there's a spot in my heart for Aqua Teen Hunger Force. Because yeah, <laughs> it's the first thing that I had seen. Um, but I love the Brack show and I loved Spagus Coast, Coast to yeah. Coast. Yeah. Um, I also really loved, um, Harvey Birdman. <laughs> uh, Lawyer, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Harvey Birdman, attorney at law. That's right. Uh, Metalocalypse. Uh, Jams, is, is yeah. Metalocalypse. So uh, good. Fantastic. Fantastic. Um, I'm trying to, uh, C-Lab. Oh my God. Oh, C-Lab, C-Lab 2021. Yep. Yep. <gasps> we still, there is, um, there is an episode where they have bizarro people. Yeah. Somehow. I don't know. All these bizarro people show up of the characters. And then there's this one, he looks like some weird duck thing, but he just keeps yelling bizarro. I love you. Yeah. We still, to this day, me and Colin, like, well, he just yelled. <laughs> we just yell these things out out of yeah. nowhere. Yeah. And we'll just be like Bizarro. Yeah. Uh and 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 the shit was really weird and really uh Oh, real weird. Real weird, but also in- incredibly clever. Um and I loved that it was 10 12 minutes long. Um uh, because sometimes it yeah. would be that that would be that's enough. You know what I mean? Oh, for uh, sure. I yeah, mean yeah. like, you know, like that's enough. Now, uh, for me there was never enough Aqua Team. Like I, I, Aqua Teen, I think Aqua Teen is my favorite. Uh, Aqua Teen Hunger Force is my favorite of all the crazy shit in adult mm-hmm. swim history. And, and I believe a close second is Eric Andre, the Eric Andre show. I just can't, I can't explain to you how much I fucking love the Eric Andre, <laughs> Andre show. <laughs> um, but like when it ends at 12 minutes after, you know, like when an Eric Andre show ends in 12 minutes, you're like, good. Okay. Fuck. How are they going to maintain this? <laughs> I, I don't, um, but I just I, I the the first time I saw Aqua Teen because I had watched, you know, some 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 stuff. By the time Aqua Teen came on, Adult Swim had already been established. It had already been you know firmly established. So by the time Aqua Teen came on, I was like, what am I? What? And I remember the first time we were watching we were watching it at Simon's after hours. Mm-hmm. Um, and we flipped it. We were flipping around and we were drinking, uh, you know, at the bar after the bar was closed and we were out there, like I was bartending and we were all there. You know how you do that? You close the bar and then you drink. And we're sitting in the bar at Simon's and we're watching that. And all of a sudden, like, it's time for Aqua Teen to come on. Or not Aqua Teen. It's time for, you know, Adult Swim. And this Aqua Teen thing came on. And we yeah. were all like, what the hell is this? And <laughs> and at that point, I was like, okay, this is one of the greatest things I've ever seen. I became obsessed with it. Um, but, yeah. And then the the Moon and Nights. I mean, for Christ's sake. Uh, all the, yeah. I just I can't. I Carl, have a little Carl, figurine. Is, is, is Carl not the greatest character like in the history of anything? I mean, Carl. Yeah. <laughs> and then with Aqua Team, we'll we'll just things come up, and we'll quote things. I mean, for the longest time, we were quoting. Um, me and my friends were quoting um, the Foreigner episode. Yeah. With the Foreigner belt. Yeah. I yeah. It was. I, yeah. It and, was ridiculous. And, and, and you know, and, and then once it became, it took off, it became really huge. Remember when the movie came out, with the Aqua Teen movie mm-hmm. came out? Mm-hmm. Um, and mm-hmm. there was the whole panic in Boston about bombs and stuff because they put the pictures of the Moon and Nights up. 
Oh yeah, the the <laughs> lights. They were like these just glowy. Yeah, thing, and they were like, like what um, the fuck is? People thought it was like they were bomb threats in the middle of in, in yeah. Boston. And uh, and well, I mean, it, it helped advertise the movie. Uh, I will say oh, that. Oh, for sure. And I remember seeing that movie. I saw it at the River East. My ex-wife and I, Heather, who was a huge fan. And we went, and we were laughing our asses off, and the audience kept dwindling because there were a lot of people in there that had no idea. <laughs> and we, and it, by the end of it, there were about ten of us left in the theater, and we were all like, "Yeah!" You know, we were all like screaming about how great it was. Um. So, uh, and Space Ghost goes without saying. I mean, that shit became brilliant. The and then like having real people interviewed for real, and the way they they cut it together. Um, yeah. You know, Venture Brothers. Yeah, and I great. actually I read an article about how they. They would do it, yeah. Um, and it's kind of well, it's kind of not depressing, but it's just like, oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they just record the interviews like just in a. I think I forget who it was that they had interviewed, but it was just like in the hotel room. They're yeah. just filming them, yeah, and just asking kind of just like random questions and things, and like nothing really like it makes sense until then you watch the whole thing put together. Well, it's it's uh, the you know I mean the legacy left behind, and I know this sounds like dumb to say that, but the legacy of Adult Swim is pretty huge. You know what I mean? It's very impactful. Oh yeah. Um, uh, I think it made an impact on surrealist comedy, uh, making a comeback in the mainstream. Honest to God, I do. And now that sounds pretentious and shit, but that kind of humor was not popular, and then it suddenly became more popular, and guys like Eric Andre were getting movie deals and stuff. <laughs> And the only yeah. the only other person. Oh, that and I... um, Tom and you know, I mean, it was originally Tom goes to the mayor, and then right. they did the um, what is it? What's their thing called? I didn't. I don't like it. Yeah, I wasn't really into it. Um, Tom and whatever do stupid things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I forgot their name. Yeah, but now they're like full fledged actors, right? This Tim, and Eric. Tim and Eric, Tim and Eric, yeah, Tim and Eric, Tim and Eric, Tim and Eric, awesome show, great job, right? Um, but yeah, now they're like full fledged yeah. actors. They yeah. have their own stuff together, and before that, they were doing some really weird stuff yeah. that even I was like, I, I, I'm out. Yeah, they, they were, <laughs> uh, they were again like you. They were Tim and Eric were not my cup of tea, uh, but they have yeah. done stuff since then that I found kind of interesting and kind of and kind of fun. Um, but you know, but, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, Adult Swim was, was, was like the birthplace of a lot of really funny, surrealistic comedians. Um, and you know, like the only guy that I can like, as far as Eric Andre goes, one of my favorite things ever, and, and you should probably find, you should probably find this online as well, is when Eric Andre appeared on Tom Green's, uh, talk show. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the many talk shows that he had after, you know, like long after his career was kind of in many people's opinions over, not mine, because his career will never end as far as I'm concerned. Um, <laughs> but when he had Eric Andre on and Eric Andre wasn't doing the Eric Andre stuff, he was like, the only time I've ever seen Eric Andre be like a real human being. Um, and he was in awe because he was Tom Green was his hero. Um, and you can tell when you see the Eric Andre show, it's like clearly this guy was inspired by Tom Green. You know, mm-hmm. you oh, can't, yeah, you, you can't you can't totally. not acknowledge the impact that Tom Green made not only on his show, but on Jackass and like Adult Swim. And, and this is one of the reasons why I think Tom Green is I wish would go down. I hope goes down in history as one of the most influential and important surrealistic comedians and voices in the history of comedy, because like literally there'd be no Jackass without Tom Green. Those guys wouldn't have got greenlit. Yeah. There'd be mm-hmm. no they were just idiots making videos in their backyard. And because of Tom Green's success. They got it. And there'd be no Eric Andre. There'd be no Adult Swim. That kind of 
weird sensibility was made kind of normal because of Tom Green. Um, so to me, it all goes back to Tom Green. <laughs> For me, like I mean, yeah, he's, he's goddamn genius. Um, but yeah, I would have to say that that Aquatine is my favorite of all the stuff. Aquatine is my favorite. So, but yeah, a guy who worked out at shipping and receiving, <laughs> it was his idea, and it's still big today. So, thanks to pot or acid and a lot of booze and college dorms all across the country, uh, Adult Swim became huge, and uh, and I'm thankful for it. <laughs> so. But they never did make a second. They were supposed to make a second Aqua Teen movie, but they never did. They didn't? I thought they did. Not for theaters. And they just did. They just oh, did the, okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, they did the Plantasm thing, that, which, uh, which was just. Right. They, did, they just did okay. that. But that was like streaming or you can watch it. But they'd never, like, the fact that people paid money at a multiplex to see an Aqua right. Teen Hunger Force, Hunger Force movie. <laughs> and I remember Heather and I sitting in the theater. Just looking at these people before the movie going, these people are going to fucking leave. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. there were, like, a lot of, like, couples and, like, maybe suburban people on a date, you know? Who, yeah. about 20 minutes into the movie, <laughs> 20 minutes into the movie, were, like, looking like, at each other. let's watch going, this cartoon. Exactly. They were like, oh, maybe this is the new Pixar. Is this the new Pixar? And you're like, no, oh it's not God. the new Pixar. So, anyway. All right. Well, long live Adult Swim. That was, that's uh, some great stuff. Oh, yeah. So, all right. You want to taste a little Kit Kat? Oh, Yes. Which one uh, do you want to do? We, I think you should save your, your cheesecake one for last, okay? Okay. All right. So I'll we'll do, do the, my Dracula. You do your... Uh, Freddy Krueger. You got Freddy Krueger. A, a friendly Freddy. He's very friendly. So he's, he's doing... Um, he's a Freddy who knows sign language. <laughs> he's doing the sign language. And it is... Let me see. I had looked it up. I believe it's... Uh, he's saying, see you. <laughs> in okay. sign language all right. so he's being like really he's like bye see you okay all right well i'll i'll eat my dracula i always like to see dracula man uh i like i i prefer that these kit kats i like to think that these kit kats were all about uh, backstreet boys they were all based on the on the on the backstreet <laughs> oh. video oh and and also so this one's different this one's not just a kit kat mm-hmm. um or regular it's sweet potato flavored jesus christ okay all right. So I it's think got I just white got... chocolate. All right. All right. Well, hold on. Let me... Mine's white chocolate. Mm. And then okay. it really does smell like sweet potato. Okay. Well, you, you, okay. I just, mine is, um, it's a regular Kit Kat that has Dracula on it. That's it. <laughs> That's it. This one's sweet potato. Oh, how is it? It's not bad. I mean, sweet potato is sweet. Of course it is. Yeah. If you cook. When you cook sweet potato, yeah, it gets really sweet. I actually, it does. when growing Especially up, people who, I never who put, marsh- put marshmallows and shit on it. Mm, right, right. Yeah, I never. Um, I didn't know that you could eat sweet potatoes like in any other way other than the way my mom would make them. She puts them in. Um, she puts them in water with sugar, and then they cook down, and they get really soft, and then kind of like a syrup with the sugar and the water. So then they're just like sweet. Oh, and okay. That's how you eat that them. Sound, okay, that sounds delicious. <laughs> All right. So that your sweet potato Kit Kat, thumbs up then? So, yeah. So this is okay. giving me those vibes, like okay. sweet. So you got a cheesecake one, and I have a peach one. And I tried the mm-hmm. peach one already. I'll give it another shot. Um, did you so, like it the first time? I did. They're very peachy. Mm. <laughs> so let me try it. All right, here we go. All right, All here's right. cheesecake. 
We'll see if it tastes like cheesecake. All right. Um, I love cheesecake. Mm, okay. Yeah, the peach. Very peachy. Man, strong peachy. Peachy flavor. And good. If you like peach. Asian peach Kit Kat. Mm. All right. How's the cheesecake? Mm. No? Yes? It's fine. Okay. It's fine. <laughs> right. it's fine, but it doesn't. I don't get cheesecake. It's not this? Ah! No. No. It just kind of tastes like white chocolate. Ow! Tastes like white chocolate. Okay. Mm. Oh, by the way, here's the original. Not me. I'm a pedestrian. Right. <laughs> All right. All right. Well, mm. uh, we've got a couple more Kit Kats that we're going to do, and then we're moving on to the Mexican candy for our uh, mm-hmm. for our next visit. All right. Cool. Yeah. Uh, and we'll watch some Adult Swim later tonight. That's what's uh, that's what the plan is. <laughs> right. All right. Thank I you. I still have a, I have a I have a DVD. I don't oh. know which one, but <laughs> of adults. I, I forget. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All the, yeah. the episodes. Oh, cool. Uh, oh, God, it was such. It was so much fun. Created by a uh, created uh, twenty three years ago by a guy who worked in shipping and receiving. Love it. Love it. See, everyone can. If that's not inspirational, dream. I don't know what is. <laughs> if that's not inspirational to you. Oh. Uh, so thank you, Esmeralda. My thanks to Jason Skaggs for the music and Ed, my main man at uh, Radio Misfits, for all uh, the work. You want to uh, buy some uh, ad space and be a sponsor? Sales at RadioMisfits.com. Get that done. Leave your voicemails 24-7-773-417-6948. Email NickDPodcast at gmail.com. Next time we'll be talking, uh, it will be Herb Weissbaum and Tom Appel. As well, you got the day off. All right. Because it is the first Tuesday of the month, which means it's for the people. For the people? It's for the people. <laughs> for, <laughs> for the people. Consumer expert, car expert. You have any questions, consumer related or car related, send them to me, Nick D, podcast at gmail.com, and I'll make sure that Tom and Herb get them for the next episode. My thanks to Steve and uh, Eric and everybody for checking it out, and we will see you next time on the Nick D podcast, radiomisfits.com. Thanks, everybody. Oh,